So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Welcome back. It's episode two of 2020 of the Running Rugby Podcast. Archie here is your host, being joined by Toby and Leo as always. And how about this? Only a couple days after episode one, we're back because we're that excited for this round one of Super Rugby and round one of the Six Nations all kicking off this weekend. Boys, how are we feeling after the Australia Day long weekend? Yeah, not bad here, Arch. Um, bit different celebrating up in the UK. There's not too much going on, but um, I imagine you guys had some hot weather down there. Yeah, I got down to the pool and, and watched a whole lot of tennis and some of the rugby in the trial matches, so all good time well spent. Nice. Yeah, I was actually a bit sad. I thought I wasn't going to get an Australia Day long weekend, but luckily over here in Auckland now, there's the Auckland anniversary, so I still get my long weekend, still managed to celebrate Australia Day at the beach and style, so that was good. All right, we'll get straight into it, and we had a couple of trial games over the weekend. A couple of Australian teams facing off against each other, the Waratahs versus the Reds, and the Rebels taking on the Brumbies, as well as a couple of Kiwi teams versing each other. We had the Blues taking on the Chiefs, as well as the uh, Crusaders versus the Highlanders um, also coming up. And I'm sure there has been some preview and trial games going on in South Africa, but... Um, dedicated reporters as we are, we haven't been able to find the results of those. So, we'll, look, we'll concentrate a bit closer to home um, for the moment. So, let's kick off. And we had the two Australian teams. We had the Brumbies taking on the Rebels again for the second time here. And it was a another bit of a one-sided affair, wasn't it, Leo? Yeah, it was indeed. The Brumbies steady, uh, piling on the points against the Rebels. I think the Rebels only managed a couple of tries there by the end of the game. It was uh, very one-way traffic. Not not saying I expected. Uh, I mean, these preseason games can kind of be all over the place, but um, a result with a margin that big, even though they were playing a couple of different sort of sides in each half, um, yeah, it's just unusual to see such a blowout. And the Rebels uh, may have uh, lost whatever momentum they may have had off preseason coming in through that one. And we also saw the Tars heading up to Dolby in Queensland, and what was a bit of a packed out sort of crowd up there. A lot of excitement. Um, especially because it was a bit of rain dropping as well um, during that game. But uh, another sort of one-sided affair, the Waratahs started off strong, got first try, and then the Reds just showed that they were willing to throw it around, willing to play with a fair bit of... Um, what what was it? Not recklessness, but they were willing to throw the ball around and throw those 50-50 passes, and things were coming off for them. Yeah, it got to 7-all at half-time. Um, so it was fairly balanced, but in, in that first half, the Reds had managed to hold the Waratahs out even for a 10-minute period where they were down a man as Angus Blythe got carded. And the the young guns for the Reds, some of these under-20s guys getting a start, they just they just came through hard in the second half. They, As you said, they pitched the ball around. They didn't look like they were playing with any fear or any hang-ups. They were just giving everything a go, trying a lot of moves, trying a lot of uh, guys in you know coming different lines. Uh, but the best thing, I think, was a lot of their forwards just took the ball really direct. 
Uh, not too not too many guys floating out wide in the back line, forwards playing up the middle and making yards and, and giving the backs lots of space. So, as you said, they piled on the points, and uh, by the end of the game, we had a 28-19 scoreline, and uh, the Reds certainly looking very strong across the board, and as I said, some of those young guns stepping up to the, to the top level really well. And what is it previously? They'd lost 11 in a row to the Waratahs in, in all fixtures, so... I think just an important win for the Reds just to get the monk the monkey off the back with that one and yeah I think that they're actually going to start pretty strong in in this season, in this first week perhaps yeah definitely any names pop up from that game that you guys wanted to highlight um, obviously we saw a few of the Wallabies returning for the Tars KB Jack Dempsey uh, a few others sort of getting out there. And a bit more of um, showing from some of the Reds' younger guys. Again, people like Harry Wilson, uh, the big number eight for them. Looks like he's he's set for a, a bit of a um, breakout year here. Yeah, he played really well. And um, he's one of those hard-running number eights with a bit of that ball-handling skill and not, not just a, a big lump that hits it up. Uh, he scored a good try, beat a couple of players and had to reach out to put the ball down and just all... All looked like he was in complete control the whole way through. So that's a really good sign for them because that's a gap for the Reds, having lost uh, Caleb Timu and Scott Higginbotham and uh, jiggling their their uh, back row around. So I reckon that's a sign of things to come for sure. Uh, Jock Campbell also had a pretty strong game. Uh, did some kicking late in the piece as well. Kicked, kicked all his conversions. Uh, and it does look like Isaac Lucas might be our starting fly half. I think we did mention that briefly last week. Mm. Uh, that seems to be the way they're going. It looked good. I was, I was quite happy with that. And for the Waratahs, yeah. Mark, are you going to have a go, Toby? No, not even going to try it. Mwanga <laughs> uh, Nitawasi looked really good off the off the wing. Um, lots of really strong runs, good offloads, um, good support play. Definitely going to see him starting on the wing, I reckon. My question is just with Maddox. You know, we've seen him being on the wing for the Rebels for for a couple of years now, and how do we actually fit him into this backline properly? I think a lot of people say that his best position might be back at fifteen, but then you're sacrificing Kirtley there. Um, you've got quite a few finishers on the wing there that could come in. So does he? Where do you think he ends up? Do you think he just gets stuck on the wing again this season, or do you reckon there's going to be a bit of a shift in that Tars backline? I think I think he could be on the wing. Like you said, he's talented. He, he could play in a couple of different positions. I think if the Waratahs um, set up their back line with him on the wing and actually get the ball out there in some controlled situations where they give him some space and let him challenge guys one-on-one, they should also be putting up high balls. He should be taking those uh, over-the-top, arms-up catches um, over the shorter defenders on the opposition's sides where they can pick them out. They've, they've got to find those ways to inject him. What I'll be disappointed about is if they put him on the wing and they don't really look like they've got a game plan for him and through just early season struggles as this new group come together, he just doesn't really see the ball, which as a, as a talented guy out on the wing, if the rest of your inside backs are a bit dysfunctional and balls out the back aren't hitting the target, he could be a lot of wasted talent out there. So you hope they've brought him in with a plan in mind. Mm-hmm. I think they're just going to stick him out on the wing. I don't think they've thought about putting him anywhere else. I'd love to see him even get a chance at the number 10 jersey. I'd prefer to trial him there before they 
go to Kirtley Beal, which they've been running around putting KB into twelve into ten. Um, we... You'd have to think though, easily third in line there. Like Will Harris and Mac Mason have to be the preferred options. Oh, so I hope they don't just sure. throw him. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think, think Will Harrison looked they... pretty good. Yeah, I I agree. I think Will Harrison is going to end up get getting that um, starting role or at least the first opportunity for it. Um, let's go across to some of our Kiwi brothers over here. And obviously the Blues uh, got up just by one point um, just this last Friday over the Chiefs. And uh, the Crusaders really showed that the Highlanders are lacking a little bit um, a little bit and suffering a lot of under the departure of lots, a lot of their big names, such as Ben Smith, um, over that off-season. So i tell you what, why don't we just jump into previews the next week and we can go through, through some of these teams with that. Um, I will just say before we start off, uh, you still have time to join the uh, Running Rugby pod pool, and that's on Superbrew. Um, just go onto the Superbrew app or onto the website and search for our competition um, and the code, the code to join that is WILDGYRO, W-I-L-D-G-Y-R-O. And all that information is also on our social media on uh, Instagram and Twitter, at Running Rugby Podcast for Instagram and Facebook, and at Running Rugby Pod for Twitter. Um, so get involved, get on it and see whether you can um, do better than Leo's 25% tipping rate for all South African derbies last year. It was a bloodbath. <laughs> I'll admit it. Right, I'm being higher this year. I think it's going to be similar this year. I mean, I think the Sabering teams are a bit, a bit more under strength, but just as unpredictable. I think last year we didn't have a good grasp of those South African sides. The the talent was pretty well spread, and they were upsetting each other uh, regularly. And now that we've seen them come through the World Cup, and some of these guys who maybe we hadn't seen as much of, or didn't maybe value as much think they were as, as good as they truly were that stood up in the World Cup. I think a lot of those names will be uh, helping make make the calls in these in these head-to-heads and recognise a lot more players and maybe fewer surprises this year. But they all seem to be quite competitive um, based on their, their mix of, of talent across the teams. Mm. And look, it's what you'd expect with a team coming off winning the World Cup that they're going to have a lot of players that now had that experience and had that winning mentality that they're going to take that back to their Super Rugby clubs. That's it. Well, let's start off with this Friday night. We've got the Blues taking on the Chiefs. That's just here in Auckland. And look, it's our first sort of view of what these teams are really going to be bringing. Obviously, these preseason trials are great, but they don't really show what what teams are going to put out on the park straight off at the time. And Blues... Are the underdogs even at home? Their um, Chiefs are favoured by four and a half points. But talk me through the Blues. This is a team that has been at the bottom of the New Zealand Conference for many years. And we've gone over, even on this podcast, two years ago I thought they were coming back. I think last year, Toby, you you were feeling like it was their year to turn around. Leo, are you, are you feeling that way for this year? Uh, I wouldn't say that much. Uh, the money in the betting market seems to suggest there's some confidence there again. I don't uh, necessarily agree with that, though. I think uh, the Blues and the Chiefs, for that matter, have had a lot of players who are in that squad leave for mostly Japan, uh, and they've they've lost key backline players like Sonny Bill, Ma Nonu, and Milani Nanai, who was a real game-breaker for them at certain points in the season. It was a little bit up and down, but uh, between uh, he 
and Rico Yuani. They really tore open some games last year. So uh, with with one of that pair gone, uh, who have they brought in? Well, of course, everyone knows they've brought in Bowden Barrett. How much influence does Bowden Barrett have on this side? You know he's going to be the starting 10. We haven't seen when, him at, at fullback. We're expecting him to go back plays, into 10. But he won't be there until mid to the end of the season in any case. Um, so he's on sabbatical for at least the first couple of months of the season. Yeah. So assuming he comes in later, maybe maybe he changes their fortunes. I, I think this team is, again, um, not, not looking too crash hot through the backs. A fair few unknowns there. The forward pack has had slightly less change. They're solid, uh, but they're not uh, they're not really of, of the measure of a lot of the Kiwi forward pack. So I think the Blues are probably in for a tough start in the season and maybe Bowden Barrett will be able to lift them up a bit when he comes into play later in the season. Must be quite disruptive, though, having you know a guy of his calibre just waiting in the wings there and not actually being able to play him. Um, and I know that was agreed beforehand because of the World Cup and things like that and trying to keep him healthy for future years but I don't know it's it's somewhere that the Blues have really struggled trying to nail down a fly half and mm. he's the big mover and if they really struggle in the first half of the season they may be out of playoff contention even when he comes back so it's um yeah it's going to be an interesting scenario for them I um I'm a little more confident maybe I think that there is some going to be some improvement there again it's probably still going to be a battle between them and the, the Highlanders for the Wooden Spoon in the New Zealand Conference, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, I think if those some of those bigger names in the forwards, guys like Tuanafaki, um, oh, sorry, Offa Tuanafasi, um, Carl Tuanafasi, I can't even say his name. This is terrible. Um, when big Carl's there at loose head. <laughs> if, he, if he can actually fire this year for the Blues... Um, you know, Patrick Tuopolato, I like the look of their back row with Dalton Papali, he really developing well. Tom Robertson, yeah. the big red just going crazy there at blindside. Yeah. Um, and you've still got Akira Yuani. So I think that their forwards do have some potential there. I think it's just the makeup of the back line and having a bit of continuity with those selections there in the back line, if they can do that. Mm. Um yeah, add Bowden to the mix and they may be okay, but they do need to actually hold the ship while while Bowden's um waiting in the wings there. And one of their sort of key performers that maybe didn't get enough of the ball last year in Rico Iwani is actually being talked about as switching into coming and play in the centres this year, either moved to 12 or 13 to try and get himself a little bit more hands on the ball. So don't know how that will work out, but I feel like he's got the skill set there that he could actually really flourish at that position with a bit more ball in it these games. They definitely have a gap there. In that in that centres area, so um, yeah, we've seen him play a bit of thirteen, I think, before. So if, it wouldn't surprise me to see that happen. He's he's got the talent. He's just he needs the guys around him. So out of Atera Black, Stephen Perifetta, Harry Plummer, you know, who's going to be that fly half? Who's going to be his inside man? Is it TJ Fiani? Probably. Probably. Yeah, I'd so, say so. <clears throat> yeah, that could work, but it it just feels like another um, sort of. Un- untraveled road for the, for the Blues early season. A lot of questions, a lot of things to try and 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 settle into place. So I think it's probably a rough start for them compared to their opposition this week, the Chiefs, who, uh, in terms of losses of players, you got big one Brody Retallick over to Japan now, yeah, um, pro- probably the biggest name and, and a massive leader there. But they, they've 
retained a lot of their forwards. Front row is fairly similar. You've still got guys like Michael Allardyce, Tyler Ardron, still got Sam Kane's a great leader. Carpick, uh, uh, Jacobson, who was a real breakout last year and the year before, he's had um, some massive games. I, I just think that there's going to be um, a lot more uh, opportunity these Chiefs guys to link up and, and use the existing combinations and roll the Blues in this round one match. Not only have they got Damien McKenzie back um, from that season injury, um, they've, they've brought back in Aaron Cruden um, from Montpellier and that's a big name to come back. A, a guy that was sort of cast aside a little bit um, was seen as the successor to Dan Carter previously before Bowden sort of emerged. Um, but a uh, tough as nails sort of player there, hard in defense. And I like, to, I like to see at least that means that they're committing to Damian McKenzie at fullback here, I reckon. Mm. I think that's the real key that that allows McKenzie to play his preferred position. The pressure's off him trying to develop as a, a number 10. It didn't quite work. Um, you know, he's a mega talented guy, but playing at fly half, he just didn't have the space perhaps that he does at fullback. And I think that's really going to help, um, particularly coming back from a, a knee injury. That's always tough. So we wish him well and we hope to see him back at his best when he's when he starts, whether it be week one or further into the, the season. But these these Chiefs, look, they have an electric back line and I also like to look at some of their loose forwards there. They've got a lot of talent to burn and I think the Chiefs are going to surprise a few people this year and I think they might take a another step up, particularly with Gatlin coming in. Yeah, of course. Warren Gatlin coming in to coach is a, definitely going to, you'd think, shore up this team. But yeah, it's definitely, he's more of a structured coach than what the Chiefs are probably used to. The Chiefs are very much a team that, you know, rolls with the punches. We'll we'll throw that fifty fifty pass. We'll um, have a go from wherever, and whether whether they continue to stay the same under Warren Gatland or not. And that's the, I mean, that's the challenge, right? When you when you change your whole playing style, if that's what he's going to do, um, firstly, it's it's not as much of a spectacle. The Chiefs have been known for such a free flying game. I hope it doesn't change too much, but Gatland might actually just shore up certain areas of their game and actually allowed him to play with that freedom without making the errors, perhaps, and and still, um, yeah, just be, be a really attacking team. I think they're going to really trouble the Blues in this one, if I'm honest. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking the Chiefs. I'm, I'm definitely on the Chiefs. I'm, I'm expecting over time that Gatland will maybe uh, tidy up some of the loose edges that they have, but also in doing so create uh, more space for people like McKenzie to then go and just be creative and, and, you know, play what's in front of him, but knowing that the support is there and if if something does go wrong, ball goes to ground, counter-attack comes, that they've got a structure in place to protect themselves in that situation. you going along to this one, Arch? Or you're not going to make this one? Yeah, mate, I'm going to get myself out to Eden Park um, after work on Friday and and see what the Blues can bring this season. But, yeah, I think I think the Chiefs do win it by by a try in this. wonder if the crowds are going to turn up for this one. There's, the Blues obviously have notoriously struggled a bit for their crowds, and I guess with Bowden not being there yet, you wonder if people are going to turn up this early in the season. I'll, uh, I'll let you know, mate. Nice, nice. <laughs> Let's keep going to the first Australian game, and we have the Brumbies having hosting the Reds down there at GIO Stadium. 
And initial reports show that the Brumbies are pretty firm favourites for this one, um, favoured by seven and a half points, which I think we're a little bit ex- um, surprised by such firm favourites. But I guess early in the year, you're thinking the home team's going to um, come in with a fair bit of advantage here. I think you got to respect the Brumbies at home. These are my top two Australian teams, the way I've ordered what I think the, the conference will finish up. So uh, definitely respect for the Brumbies at home. We've seen what they did last week against the Rebels. They've still got a lot of their key players. The Reds are a disruptive force now. They've got a lot of belief. They'll go down there and, and give them a real good shake-up. Uh, I think if the if the Brumbies just maintain that confidence at home, they, they know their game plan, they know what works. The Reds will be trying to bring the physicality and unsettle them. But I, I think the Brumbies should win this, although I expect it to be closer than uh, maybe the other uh, Australian conference game that's that's uh, coming up this weekend. It may actually hinge on the performance of Noah Lalesio there at 10. I think he's nailed down that 10 spot for the Brumbies. Um, if he can perform well and, and you know, the, the forwards at the Brumbies, which we know are strong, set a good platform for him, um, you know, guys like Kurandrani will be unleashed and the Reds will really have to defend well, I think, down there in Canberra. It's a tough place to play. It might be pretty hot this time of year as well. Which I guess the Reds are used to, but um, yeah, it's it's going to be an entertaining game because the Reds are a team on the rise. We know that, um, but they they should start well because you know the trial form says that the Reds are going to progress this year. I hope they do. I hope they actually are able to bring it all together um, because I think some of those young guys are so exciting and yeah, keen to see someone like Harry Wilson really put a dent in that Brumbies front line. What do you think the um, Brumbies' backline is going to look like? You just said, obviously, Lalesio starting there at 10. I assume you think Powell's going to be there at 9. Yeah, Powell will be there at 9, Lalesio. I think they're going to persevere with Ray Simone at 12 and Tevita at 13. Um, And then you've probably got Solomon Carter on one wing, Tom Banks at fullback, and the other wing maybe up for grabs a little. It would probably be someone like Tom Wright, though, I reckon. Mm. Not Tony Pulu, Toby. It's not. Well, I guess he was, you can he get was, the left he was wing incumbent. spot. It's true. Maybe it's more Solomon Carter battling out with Tom Wright for one in the other wing spots rather than mm. Carter actually nailing it down already. Because Tony Pulu, big raps on him. Probably yet to see the best of him. Um, he's a little more dynamic for the Chiefs, um, but I think there's a there's a fair bit of respect for him down there and. He, he was featuring, whilst he was healthy, pretty prominently for the Brumbies last year. So, yeah, that, that 11 jersey could be his now that you say that. I think that's the only change I'd, I'd put to your original lineup. I'd, I expect that Ray Simone will, will get the start. He had some really good moments last year. I think he was really starting to find a good combination with Tavita as well. So more of the same from them. A couple of big solid centres running at the, the red centres will be a um, good contest. Mm. So you boys both taking the Brumbies? We'll be for this one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the Brumbies are the safe pick. I've I've already said I think they're going to win the conference, and look, I think the Reds probably need one more year, but they're they're definitely going to improve on last year. I think you know if they, if that backline gets unleashed for the Reds as well, they've got a lot of talent too. So. I hope I hope the number ten position isn't a problem for the Reds this year, like it was in the last few years. Fair enough. I think I'm going to have to stick with you boys at least for the first first one. I'm not going to tip any far outsiders. 
Now, next we're going to go over to South Africa, and we've got the Sharks um, hosting the Bulls over there. And just before we dive into the previews of this team, I want you to name um, all the good players on the Bulls from last year. And I'll tell you whether they're still here. From last year? Yeah, who were the Andre best players? Pollard. Andre Pollard, gone. Shock Brits, but he's retired. Snyman. Uh, Snyman, gone. Um, Dwayne Vermeulen. Gone. Lou Diaga. Gone. Jesse Creel. Gone. (laughs) Yeah. So we're doing well. Situation. Yeah. Uh, No, come on. We've got to be able to get one that's Warwick Gallant. That is one that stayed. But yeah, you see my point. This this, um, This team has really been absolutely stripped of a lot of its core sort of players. Um, the only two sort of big names that I can sort of see that have stuck around is um, you still got Trevor and Carney. He's big Trev still there. <laughs> um, you got Warwick Gallant and I guess Marco Van Staden was starting to put a bit of a mark on that number six jersey um, and a few Springbok caps as well. But other than that, they're, they're really struggling. I Papier. Think. Papier as well. Papier is still there as well. Oh, yeah, yeah true. Yeah. He's... he's underrated i think but yeah that looking a bit bare actually the the bulls were putting yeah, out a pretty Monet strong Stain. team last year yeah Monet stain Monet stain's come back, back to the future. yeah so it's definitely going to be a yeah. bit of a new look team um it's whether they start off with someone like Monet stain or they did have marnie leboc he's still there the young young gun i think he's only 22 or so um very dynamic sort of in that number 10 um so whether they try and give him a bit more time um, out there. But, yeah, definitely going to be a little bit um, interesting to see what this Bulls team put together early on. Mm-hmm. I'm not too optimistic based on that roster, but Bulls have surprised before where they've been putting out a bunch of young guys and and it's actually worked out for them, so maybe they can do that again. And I had a lot of uh, tip on the Bulls last year. Um, not that my, any of my tips were particularly good in the South African Conference, but no. uh, to know that many senior players that I had so much faith in it are gone. Uh, very uncertain how they're going to perform this early season. Well, what do you think of the Sharks then? So they've obviously had a few few people heading off as well. The entire um, family, the Dupree's, Dupree have family. disappeared. <laughs> um, they've sent the triplets off to sale altogether. Um. Yeah, they're they're looking a little bit, little bit tough done by as well. You've seen some of the big names like um, the Beast Tendai Matawira is also disappearing. Um, Chili Boy Rallapelli uh, has also disappeared. Not that he was starting. Akavanda Merva was, but he's also disappeared as well. He's gone up to sale with the Dupree boys. But yeah, so they're they're looking a little bit short there. Maybe not quite as devastated. Um, in the backs as um, as yeah. the Bulls. They've still maintained people like Kerwin Bosch there. Lucania Am's still around. They've got their centres. They've got their wingers. Mm-hmm. So there's still a lot there. And, and Kerwin Bosch we lost uh, early last year. So there's um, lots of potential there. I think that's probably the strongest side. And they're the home side this week, I believe. Yeah, yeah that's that correct. So, yeah, I, I think that the Sharks are looking a little bit more settled in their in their squad. And a guy of the quality of Kerwin Bosch, I'm not sure the Bulls can boast anyone of that quality. Um, so, yeah. It's, it's a fair, 
It's a fair few Springboks like. in that back line. Like 90% of them will be Springboks. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's going to be driven by their backline play. You got good, good old LaRue routes now playing for the, the Sharks. So we'll see if he actually gets some game time. Yeah. Um, yeah, a bit of a, again, I think we're going to see a bit of a trend with these South African teams, a bit of a transition for a lot of them um, post World Cup. And what about JP Peterson um, returning to the Sharks? Uh, one of the formerly most hated men um, in South African rugby, at least by our household, I know. Um, he's, <laughs> he's getting back in there. Man with the biggest ego. Do we think he's going to start between um, you'd think not with, um, and Nkosi? Yeah, you'd think with the two Springboks wingers, Nkosi and Mopimpi there. That, that, that he can cover start. 13 as well. Exactly. Mm. I think. They might so be a bench. He's a bit of a utility, back, I think. Yeah, outside back utility. Makes sense. Yeah. So no, I think the Sharks are looking the stronger side in this one. I'll, I'll be tipping them. Yeah. Toby? Uh, yeah, easy for me. Sharks, um, I think they're in Durban. I think their backs can still get it done for them. Yeah. Balls are going to be too fresh. Yeah, I have to agree with that one. Well, we're off to a pretty solid start, all, all tipping the same. Um, and I think it's going to continue. But I do, I'm do. i interested to hear what you think of this next one because we've got our um, homegrown Tars heading over to Christchurch to take on the New Look Crusaders. And I mean New Look because I'm sure most people have seen, but they've got a new logo, the old Crusaders. Scorn is the, the knight in armour with the sword and shield. And they've gone to a... Bit of bit more of a different type symbol. How would how would you describe it, Toby? Uh, phallic is how I would describe it. But I mean, look, they've they've cocked up a bit with that one. Uh, but still, <laughs> you know, I think they're still going to be a strong team. So disregard the logo. It's not on their jerseys this year. They've still got time to change it, maybe. But um, I'm not a big fan. But I'm a big fan of this team. They've they've been stripped of a few players, but um, look, they're notorious for bringing young guys through at early ages and they develop into All Blacks pretty quickly. So I'm not turned with um, kind of some of the big names they've lost. It's going to be interesting seeing the the way these guys come into the new season. Obviously not successful at the World Cup last year, not, not managing the win there. A lot of guys, a lot of expectation. This Crusaders team... Uh, and they've got Scott Robertson still as the coach, some young players, and, and always bring something new each season. Without the leadership of the Kieran Reeds, the Matt Todds, Ryan Crotty, uh, Owen Franks, uh, who steps up, I think they've still got a lot of a lot of good senior players there. Guys like Cody Taylor have been coming on really well, um, and obviously they've still got their fly half, Richie Moyer. They might be one of the only teams in Super Rugby who've retained their ten and already had like a, a world class international ten. There's very few teams that have that have had had that uh, blessing to start a year, and of course the Crusaders are the ones. So I expect them to be very solid at home, um, running all uh, running up against the Waratahs with a fairly settled squad, just dropping out a few of the older leaders who were ready to hit the pasture. I would just yeah, I think the back row is is a little bit. Not a concern, but maybe just a bit uncertain with the makeup of their back row. Um, having lost Matt Todd, Jordan Tafua, and Kieran Reid, like that—that's that, some—that's your starting back row right there, gone. 
Um, less concerned about other areas for them, but be interesting who lines up at six and seven for them this weekend. Yeah, one name to probably to keep an eye on is uh, Tom Christie, who's um, come up from just um, Canterbury Club, but previous under-20s All Blacks captain um, as a schoolboy um, as well. Um, had a lot of raps on him early on, so he'll probably be looking to make a bit of a name for himself early in this. But I think you're right. I think the Crusaders' main strength has been their forward pack over the last few years, and it is looking a little bit worrying this year it's whether these guys just step up and it's more of the same because of these structures are so good but I think it might take a little bit of time for these guys to settle into a role I mean I'm looking at the line and it's 18 and a half points to the Crusaders I don't think it's going to be that bigger hmm. uh, margin between these two teams I feel like they're quite similar really in what they bring to the table a bit of inexperience um, in the forward pack with a pretty um, dynamic world-class backline, and that's sort of very similar to what the Waratahs are bringing out here. Mm. I mean, if you look at their forward pack, I reckon they're going to line up. Michael Alatoa at loose head. Oh, sorry, maybe Joe Moody at loose head. Um, and then you've got Cody Taylor at hooker, Michael Alatoa at tight head. Um, Scott Barrett there, he's he's going to be very important for the Crusaders this year, probably partnering up with someone like Quinton Strange. And then you've got... Uh, yeah, back row, I'm not too sure, but it went to Douglas, should be at number eight. Their back line is, is still going to be very exciting. Look for guys like Will Jordan to improve again, Braden Enor, we know how good he is. Um, yeah, good Hugh. They've got Havili, they've got so Seven many guys Reese, back there. Bridge, their back line David is. David Havili, yeah. Yeah, their, their back line stacked. is elite level. Um, absolutely stacked. So, yeah, plenty of tries in that back line. They've just got to shore up that, that forward pack and make sure they're performing consistently because I think last year in some of their stats, they weren't particularly good in the line-out. They did lose a lot of ball um, in turnovers and they conceded a lot of penalties. So they need to actually shore up a few areas of their, their game in the forwards. I might not be as quite as... Um aligned with you guys. I actually think their forward pack's still going to be pretty strong. The back row is the only place where they've actually added guys. So they're bringing through guys who may not have been starters but were off the bench or in the squad existing players. So I actually think this forward pack is probably going to be pretty solid. Um, guys like Ethan Blackout, we you didn't mention, and has been around. I think he's the son of the former coach. Uh, he's He's been a solid squad member for a while his opportunity is going to come. So I, I think these Crusaders are still well and truly um, out there to, to put on a heap of points in the Waratahs who are in a bit of flux with their, with their halves and some of their forwards. I think the, I think the Tars are going to be up against it here. And that game kicking off at Saturday afternoon. Um, but before that, we have the Sunwolves um, hosting the Rebels um, heading up there to Tokyo. And we've already talked about these two teams, so I don't think we need to dwell on this too much. But is there anything you'd like to say about these other than the Sunwolves are probably going to lose the first one of the season? They might lose by 30 points or something. This is may not be pretty, particularly with a team that hasn't had a lot of time together. I think the Rebels have had, you know, by the sounds of it, a pretty good preseason overall. Um, and there are a few questions there, but I think travelling up to Japan, it's always a road trip they're going to enjoy. Hopefully not too much, but I think 
The margin here is going to be what is it sitting at the moment? It's about 15, 15 16 points. Oh, you got 17 and a half there. Okay. I mean, I think it's, yeah, take the over on that. I think that the Rebels might rack up some points if they're. If they can unleash their back line, we know they've still got some pretty strong players there, um, some seasoned individuals, and I, I think they're going to take advantage of this Summers team. I reckon the first half will be more tit-for-tat, more competitive, but I think the, the fitness and the understanding between the Rebels players late in that first half and then into the second half is where we'll really see it open up. Um, the the guys who are there for the Sunwolves, it's a... It's a nothing to nothing to lose situation. They're they're there for a year, we think, um, just trying to make a mark, trying to make sure they they have a future in rugby somewhere after this year. So they're going to be pretty motivated. I just don't think the cohesion will be there in that in that side this early in the season. It may develop. Uh, the rebels need to come into this match, traveling away from home, and put their foot down hard early. Uh, really blow them off the park and, and send a signal to the rest of the, the conference and the competition that they're not just going to roll up with an easy game in the in the first round. They're going to you know lay some points on here and really scare some teams into into the next few rounds. Yeah, I think that's definitely a strong statement that they they should be looking to make. No one wants to feel like they got away with one even um, even a close win um, versus that team is is going to look bad on the on the resume for 2020. Um, let's jump into some of the other Sunday morning games and the Stormers are hosting the Hurricanes. Hurricanes getting the tough shout of having head-to-head straight to South Africa to the Stormers that are still led. They're probably the most intact South African teams led by World Cup winning captains here, Khaleesi, by Rugby World Cup, um, Rugby, Rugby's World um, Player of the Year and Peter Steftetoid as well. Still hanging around there. Um, is the Stormers team going to be the one to fear going into South Africa? I think it'll be their strongest team for sure. Um, and this game is set to be, I think, the closest game of the round. Um, Canes have... I'm not sure if they usually travel that well. I think they're, they're kind of... They, they did last exposed year. on the road. Yeah, they, they, I've seen them, though, be quite exposed on the road. When, but this was probably with a more star-studded team, and they've lost a few guys this year. So a bit of a, bit of a rebuild for the Canes as well. I think they'll still be there and about. But, um, yeah, the Storms will be challenging there at home. I think the, the Canes are still favourite, though. Yeah. The Hurricanes, of course, are dealing with the loss of Bowden Barrett, too. So how are they going to put their side together exactly. without him without in their ranks? Without a 10, really, um, to step up. Yeah, so I, I think they've had these guys in their in their ten uh, stable for for some time. They've carried the same three guys outside of Bowden into this season. So I don't know which one of them is most likely to start. Garden they've all Bashir. had their turn. Yeah, they've all had their turn um, when Bowden's been Smith out or, or off the, the bench. Oh well, I'll go James Marshall then, which will probably be wrong. Um, <laughs> but. The centres, the wings and fullback, like all those guys are going to be the same. Uh, we're going to have a Lamapi Proctor and a, and probably a Ben Lamb and maybe Arso or Kusin. Um, or then again, you've got Chase Tietier and Jordy both as fullbacks and only one of them is going to be playing there. They've got plenty of talent in the backs. Um, still a fair bit of talent in the forwards as well. I just don't think they're going to be good enough to, to roll this um, Stormers side full of the leaders of the 
Springboks World Cup team, uh, I think that that side will be too strong at home and they'll be ready for them. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say how how much Bowden's really going to affect... Losing Bowden will affect this Hurricanes team. I mean, obviously, TJ Perinar is a great leader for them, for their forwards, and does step into that playmaking role with relative ease. So you've got to think he's going to probably thrive under that uh, bit of increased sort of playmaker role, as he did in several points last year and in the World Cup. So it's in- it will be interesting to see whether they can do it, but you're right... Going on a travel all the way over to um, Cape Town, it's it's a tough ask first thing in this season. And look out for Jamie Roberts lining up there, possibly in the centres for the Storm as he's come over, yeah. um, maybe just for a year. Um, in the latter half of his career, obviously, he's not really paying for Wales anymore, but he's always a, a real competitor and someone who can hit the ball up like no one else. Yeah, talk about an apt replacement for Damien D'Alende. Uh, you're bringing jo- Jamie Roberts in at 12, um, like for like, except maybe yeah, exactly. maybe Jamie Roberts has a bit of a harder forehead, I think. Both massive heads, blockheads, Jesus. <laughs> I am excited to see a bit more of Dylan Lades for the Stormers. I think he's, he's really improved over the last couple of years, and he's always an exciting player to watch. Um, I'm glad that he's stuck around, and hopefully we'll see a little bit more of him in fullback because he can do some amazing things um, in that broken field play. So tips, boys, Stormers. Leo, sounds like you're favouring the Stormers, Toby. I'm tempted to take the Canes here. I don't know why. Something's My heart's going Canes. I think I'll go Canes. I think I've got a bit of faith in them on the road there starting the season. I don't know. Something tells me they're going to come out firing. I'll tell you what tells you. Fired up. Is my my history of tipping South African sides, so you're doing the right thing, not picking with me. That is true. Normally, the thing but... it's, it's yeah, it's not at altitude. I'd, it's probably a great time to catch the Stormers as well early on mm. in the season. Sometimes they take a bit of time to warm up, and yeah, maybe a bit of a World Cup hangover there for some of those big names of the Stormers. So maybe the Canes all um, losing someone like Bowden might actually bring them together. I'm going to stick with you, Leo, as weird as that sounds. I feel like 2020 is your, your tipping year, so I'm going to take the Stormers at home. If in doubt, I always tip the home team. Um, and then we have one final game of the round that we're going to have a look at, and that's the Hagiwaras kicking things off at home down there in Argentina and hosting the Lions team that has definitely lost its bite from years past. Um, this is a team that's looking very different again and suffered a big exodus of players. While the Hags probably haven't lost too much um, of their talent from last year that got them to the Super Rugby Finals. Yeah, the Lions are down key players like Malcolm Marks, uh, Quagga Smith. It was a regular feature as well. Um, Ruin Combrick, I'll, I'll miss that really, really irritating South African commentator constantly saying, Ruin Combrick! Uh, and Alfie <laughs> Dianti, who's suspended who, uh, yeah, I haven't seen any recent updates there, but just before the World Cup, he was coming out adamant that he was not a drug cheat, and I think his B sample was positive as well, and then it all went very quiet. So some some significant players for the Lions um, travelling to the Haguaras house uh, and a Haguaras team that hasn't changed dramatically. I'm, I'm going to be back on the Haguaras this year. I think they uh, were real com- competitors last year. I, I wanted to see them. 
uh, take the title, to be honest. So uh, I reckon they'll be back for more this year for sure. Yeah, isn't it interesting that the majority of those key Lions players have departed now? Um, it seems like convenient timing after playing with Lion Rage for a few years there. Um, look, they had a three-year run in the finals, came to an end last year, obviously, or before last year. Their window is well and truly closed now. Um, and I think you're going to see perhaps the Lions of old. Um, not as many wins going to be floating around for them. They've lost some big names there. And, I, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that the Jags will have their measure here. Yeah, well, the Hags, um, they've lost a couple of names in Pablo Matera, who obviously was a fairly prominent figure for them, as well as Thomas Lavanini um, in the row for them. But other than that, um, it'll be interesting, again, like we've been saying, the number 10 for them is a position that's changing over with uh, Iglesias. Um, oh, sorry, no. Diaz Bonicia was, was their number 10 last year, wasn't he? With Domingo Miotti, who was the young gun that got a bit they of They shared off. it around. Yeah. So, yeah. so they are pretty still well intact um, for that. Um, so it will be interesting to see what, what comes out of those teams. But, yeah, their, their back three, again, is going to be their strength. And if they've got forwards that are willing to back those guys up and get behind them in those breaks that they're going to make, the Hags, yeah, may well be destined for another top of this conference. Yeah, definitely. I think Jags, Stormers, two teams to watch, maybe the Sharks coming in at third. Um, and I think the Lions and Bulls may be struggling a little bit this year. Yeah, I'd back that. I think it's it's pretty pretty likely that the Lions are going to be uh, cellar dwellers this year. I don't, I don't think um, I don't think Elton Yanchis and Skosan can do everything themselves. Mm. And another name, big win for the Jags here. Yeah, another name you might want to keep an eye on is Dan Creel, who's joined the Lions from the Stormers, but is uh, the brother of Jesse Creel. So he's been floating around a couple of Super Rugby teams. Um, we'll see if he can. Se- start to take up his brother's mantle and maybe show something in the centres there. Yeah, if he's anything like his brother in terms of body type, that guy's an absolute beast. So we'll see how he goes. Could be, could be a big one for the Springboks in the future. So the only team that we haven't mentioned is the Highlanders, who, of course, kick off um, 2020 with a bye. Um, they've had a tough couple of trial matches going down in both. Um, which we talked about earlier and last week. Um, but again, a team that's been hit quite hard by the departure of a lot of their big names um, and a lot of their hard-working names um, that really epitomised this sort of forward pack that really backed each other a lot of last year, but losing the key figures of people like Tom Franklin and Jackson Hemipo from the row, you're losing Luke Whitelock and... Names that have been there forever, like Elliot Dixon, Liam Squire as well. Not to mention all the backs, Arch, and, and a lot of their talent. Naholo, Ben Smith, Tevita Lee, Matt Faddis off the bench regularly, Marty Banks in and about there as well. Uh, just gutted this team. And this is my sentimental New Zealand team, so uh, feeling pretty down, down for their uh, options this year. I think they're certainly on the rebuild of would like to see Josh Iwani get more opportunity. I think he, he was a really talented player coming on last year. Uh, and he's got some great centres between Rob Thompson and Sia Tompkinson outside. Um, those guys are going to be the backbone of this team going forward. And, and they need to step into the breach where they've lost 
so many senior players uh, up front. Uh, guys like Popo Parkinson, another really great young player from last year. He needs to uh, step up again. Uh, Shannon Frizzell, great player. We'll see more out of him. Hopefully stays injury-free. Um, and they've still got some some leadership, some seniority. Guys like Liam Coltman and Ash Dixon vying off for the hooker position. Um, so there's still something to look at here, but it's definitely a rebuild year for the Highlanders and and not through lack of trying. I, I think they'll um, probably struggle to to take out their New Zealand opposition and any any travelling teams as well. Interesting with um, Mitch Hunt coming in and whether that displaces Josh Uwani or whether he lines up at 12 or how they're actually going to formulate that. Because Mitch Hunt was he was quite a good player for the Crusaders and never really truly got an opportunity or a full opportunity there. So probably a wise decision to come down south. The Highlanders with Yuani and Gatlin still, you know, not com- completely certain on their fly half. I think there is some chance that Josh Yuani floats around maybe even the fullback. It's not what I want to see. Um, but that, I yeah. don't know if Mitchell Hunt or Bryn Gatlin have that in their repertoire either. Um, I, I, my yeah. personal preference would be to see more of Josh Yuani at the fly half. Yeah, Josh Yuani in space, he's... He's definitely an athlete. Like, he has a lot more to his game. He's not just a distributor. Um, and there is a bit of a gap there at, at fullback. Michael Collins from the Blues perhaps could feel that. I wouldn't be as confident to see Chris Kurandrani playing fullback, even though he's listed as, as being that. Um, I've only really seen him play on the wing um, as yeah. a, a bit of a liability at times. But, yeah. Yeah, interesting to see Chris Kurandrani coming back, obviously, previously winger for the Queensland Reds. Um, cousin to Tavita has been floating around in the ITM and Martin Cup over there, um, playing for Counties Manuka. And, yeah, drafted himself into this Highlanders team. But, yeah, it's going to be a tough tough go for Aaron Major and his men here. Um, Aaron Smith, obviously, still there, going to try and hold this team together. But you're right, it's, it's going to be... Uh, tough sled, I think, to to climb um, off the bottom of the table in that New Zealand conference. And they get the bye to start, then they host the Sharks, but then it's travelling for the Brumbies and Crusaders uh, and then having the Rebels come to them. So uh, potentially it could be a very rough start. Mm. And, I mean, no one wants the bye first thing. It's not, you know, it's not going to be helpful in extension of their pre-season they would have wanted it later in in the the rounds there, so someone has to take it. But yeah, I don't think it's going to be helpful to them at all. So we've now gone through every team uh, for Super Rugby 2020, boys. I want I want your prediction of what we will see in the final this year. Who are we going to see matching up, and who's your eventual winner for 2020? Ooh, I'm going to go. You know what? I'm I'm going to take the Brumbies and the Crusaders. I think that's got an old school rivalry there. Definitely um, classic. I think the Brumbies are set to take a leap, and the Crusaders. I think they're just good enough to maybe hold on and and contest for that four peak. Um, and my dark horse still. I mean, not as much of a dark horse maybe, but I think the Chiefs potentially could do something pretty big in this competition too. So keep an eye out for them. Yeah, I think that's all. Solid, solid tipping. Um, look, I, I still think the Reds have the potential to top the Australian Conference, but I think the Brumbies will be in that finals series too. Uh, the Brumbies are the much more seasoned finals operators, so 
uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if, if I was going to see an Australian team in the final. I think the Brumbies would probably work their way in there. Uh, I think the Stormers potentially uh, could, if they get their home finals to to drag all the other New Zealand or Australian teams across to them, have a, have a good chance. Uh, but probably the Haguaris. I think Haguaris are still right up there, and so it could be another Haguaris Crusaders affair. So Leo's gone through the strategy of naming five different teams um, just to make sure results <laughs> improve. No, 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 Haguaris Crusaders. Okay. I was, I was working it out in my head as I went, I was, but I, I think as much as I think the Brumbies are good finals operators, they might, you know, the, with it, with Australia's luck, Reds and Brumbies will be the top two, and they'll have to play each other and knock one of the other out in the first finals round. It'll just be the way it goes. Um, no, I think last year, I, th- I don't think the two teams that are in the final there have, have lost enough that mm. they should be overtaken by anyone else. Yeah, I have to agree. I think the Hags um, bring it back. I think they top their conference and they make the path through to the finals, have to come go through South America, Buenos Aires. So i got to say that makes it a tough, tough shout. But I think the team that meets them... And I think probably the team that has to travel to South America and one of the best placed teams to do that is the Chiefs. And I'm predicting a Super Rugby final in South America. The Hags play the Chiefs. And I think actually the Chiefs come out winners and Warren Gatlin brings his men up for a maiden 2020 title under his new leadership. Nice. I like it, Arch. I think, if anything, the Chiefs are going to entertain us, I believe, again. And Crusaders... That's the question is, are there their big names they've lost? Is it going to really shift their fortunes? I suggest not, but um, look, I think it'll bring them back to the pack a little bit. We also spent a bit of time last year talking about how we thought people like Kieran Reid weren't really uh, dominating their position anymore. So I think they've had that start of the transition and, and maybe lost some ground last year. Yeah, I have to agree there. I think, yeah, Kieran Reid definitely wasn't at his best. But a lot of these other names definitely were big impacts to people like George Tafu and Matt Todd. In any case, we've got our predictions down. Uh, We'll just have to see how these guys play out. Um, The other competition, the Six Nations, is kicking off this weekend. And we've got a couple of games here. We've got uh, Wales hosting Italy. We've got Ireland hosting Scotland and France hosting England. But before we get into what your guys' predictions, did anyone else see uh, the naming of Andy Farrell as the Irish coach and the reactions um, with uh, Johnny Sexton and um, Owen Farrell to that? I haven't seen this, actually. No, this is news to me. There's an absolute classic video of all the Six Nations captains standing beside each other. Um, Andy Farrell standing next to them. I'm not exactly sure what's going on in it, Um, but he gets named and obviously is then going about to... Um, shake the hands of all the captains, um, turns to the right, completely ignores Johnny Sexton, the first guy in the line who's standing there um, with his hands in front of him looking like a sooky little boy, um, shakes Alan Wynne Jones's hand and then goes and skips um, his own boy, Owen Farrell, as well and then goes along to the French and Italian captains as well. Um, it's a pretty, pretty funny video to see and obviously there's... Um, no no huge amount of love lost between father and son, but also brings into a bit of question what um, Johnny Sexton feels um, like about his new coach when he's captaining his, his nation. Going to have to watch this video. It just sounds pretty funny. I'll, um, I'll, I'll and see I'm if we curious. can post it up. Yeah, that'd be good. 
So what are your predictions for round one of the Six Nations then, boys? Uh, so I've got Wales against Italy at, uh, in Wales. That, that one at Principality Stadium in Cardiff. I'd expect Wales to wipe the floor with Italy as all the Six Nations teams do on a regular basis. Can't wait to see Georgia come in. Strong. Strong opening yeah, statement. Definitely. Definitely. Good for Pete, so that's it. Yeah, saying. get rid of Italy. Seriously. Georgia. <laughs> Georgia all the way. <laughs> that's it. If we're not allowed to have the Sun Wolves um, in Super Rugby, they shouldn't be allowed to have Italy. Maybe we should bring Georgia into the Super Rugby competition. What do you think? <laughs> oh, imagine travel. Bit of travel. <laughs> South <laughs> Africa's not going to like that. <laughs> it might have been the right time zone, isn't it? Yeah, it's closer. It's closer than Tokyo. Let's be honest. Um, yeah. Okay. So I think Wales is pretty easy pick over Italy. Um, Ireland hosting Scotland. It's a bit of a tougher one. Um, the Scottish often will travel and bring a little bit of upset, but not not normally to Ireland. You'd, you'd think that um, Sexton and his men will will deal with um, Hoggy up there in in Dublin. Ireland are a class outfit, um, and I think. I'd comfortably take them in the first round for sure over for over Scotland. If if it was up in Murrayfield, maybe a bit closer, but at the at the Aviva, Ireland are pretty strong. Yeah, and I'll close it out. Ireland for me as well. Mm. Um, the Scots haven't looked like a an upsetting force for me for over twelve months. They they had that little strip there where they were looking really solid, and they had a great um, squad there. I I just haven't seen enough out of them in the last twelve months and at the World Cup. Uh, even then, they weren't that um, they weren't that dominant. So I think oh, this yeah. will be a, an Irish win. Yeah, couldn't even get out of the pool stages of the World Cup. So yeah, definitely not that impressive there. Um, obviously, the last game of the round, France hosting England over there in Paris. This is going to be the biggest um, game for the weekend in the Six Nations for sure. Um, can England bring it back together with all the controversy that's been going on? Um, through their squad and through the Saracens. Yeah, comfortably England for me. Um, comfortably? France, we do. Yeah. yeah, comfortably. I think England will smash France. Um, not too worried about this one. I know that France are, are improving. Um, I just think England, Eddie will be out to prove something with this after failing in the World Cup final. I think he's really going to make a statement. He'll have the boys fired up. Yeah, I can agree with that. I'd, I'd expect that they'd be wanting to get their season off to a good start. A lot of disappointment last year, obviously, beat the All Blacks but can't get the World Cup. I sentimentally, I would really want France to win this. I, I don't think um, I don't think I'm going to be tipping uh, England out of love for England anytime this season. So uh, I, I reckon the France will the French will give them a good shake. Uh, but it's, but England was just such a dominant side. If they can carry any of that momentum through to this match, they should beat the French. Uh, so the bookies do agree with you, by the way. They've got it pretty close in terms of the head-to-head. Um, England's only sitting at $1.62 to win. Mm. France, two forty, And the line, the line is two and a half points. So if anyone's confident about England, it's a great time to put some money on them at minus two and a half. See, I, I think I'd take... I'm going to tip France for the bit of the upset here. I think in Paris they always they do come out strong. And I think England are vulnerable right now. I think they could, it could go the other way. They could solidify and 
play really well here, but I, I just don't see it. I think um, the unshakable Eddie Jones has been a bit shook by what's been going on with his with his boys. Shook. <laughs> I'd like I like to see Eddie under pressure. Look, everyone is pretty clear that we don't like England. We don't like the fact that Eddie's coaching England. We were pretty happy when they lost the World Cup final. Um, we don't. I don't care that Eddie's coaching wrong. England. Really, I'm I'm not fond of it to be honest. But no, he can um, have, they can have him. I'd love to see France win. I I just don't see it, Arch. I'd I'd like to be surprised. I'll tune in for the game, but yeah, I'm I'm feeling England a bit of a resurgence by them. Um, but yeah, happy to be proved wrong. We're finally about to get back into competition rugby. Are you, are you keen? I'm so excited for this weekend. It's all, it's so close to kicking off. Jealousy really you'd be at Eden, Eden Park, mate. That's, you know, a first for you. I've never been there. It's, um, you know, it is royalty in terms of stadiums of rugby, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. I mean, it's a shame Bowden's not lining up, but hopefully there's a bit of a spectacle there with the Chiefs throwing the ball around. Now you figure out the best way around that stadium, warm the seats up, make sure you understand where the nearest bar is. I'll see you in May. Sounds good, of course. Leo joining me for when the Reds come to town, his um, premier Australian team. Um, just one more hype. Join the pod pool. All our details are on Instagram, are on Twitter there. Um, we'll make sure they're up to date, but that's on Super Brew. Um, we want to see what you boys think, see if you can out-tip us. Um, as well as that, make sure you have subscribed to us. That's on Apple iTunes or Spotify at Running Rugby Podcasts. Subscribe, give us a rating if you want, but we'll be here every week bringing you all the news. Um, but once again, boys, thanks for dropping by. Hopefully we'll, we'll be proved right this early in the season, um, but it'll be great to actually see what these teams bring to the table in round one. Um, until next week, everyone, keep on running. Mm-hmm.